This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today. Another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. My guest today, he's a, he's a weatherman by trade, but he's also involved in the MHP industry. He's going to tell us about an upcoming conference, one that I've been, uh, been fortunate to attend, look forward to attending this year again. Please help me welcome my guest, Gene Norman. Gene, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Ferd. I really appreciate it. You got it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely right in my profession as a lawyer, but I think I'm, I'm right more than the average weatherman. So are you the average weatherman or are you better? Because uh... <laughs> Well, you know, you know, Ferd, I was a, a broadcast television meteorologist for over 25 years, and I still do some freelance work. And what I always tell people is the forecast is never wrong. It's how you hear it. Just keep that in mind. Oh, wow. I don't know if that will work in a courtroom, though. Yeah. <laughs> I have clients all the time. I'm like, you don't have to take my advice. You have to pay for it, but you, you, you can dig it or not. And then regularly they'll come back and be like, I should have took your advice. What do you advise? What do you advise now? Like, oh, boy. Sometimes like, well, it's too late, you know? So that's uh, right. Anyway, so you're, you're a weatherman by trade. Tell us, or broadcast meteorologist. I don't, I don't, I guess I'm not uh, up to speed enough on all the differences, but tell us a little bit more about your background, sure. how you got involved in MHP and 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 Seco and some of the other things we're going to talk about today. Sure. Well, well, for and viewers and listeners, um, I, I was on television uh, in Houston, Atlanta. I've worked in Birmingham, and I've done some freelance work for the Weather Channel and for CNN. And I'm I just love weather ever since I was a little kid. My fondest memory of my late father is when I was 12 years old. He hung out the window with a screw in a weather monitoring kit that he got me for Christmas. It had an anemometer, a thermometer, all those otters, thermometers, mm. what do you want to call them, sensors. And uh, every day I would dutifully write down the temperature and the wind and all that stuff and try to make forecasts. And one night there was a really bad storm and I woke up the next morning and my weather station was gone. And I wanted to know what was the force stronger than my six foot four father, who is still the, the largest figure in my life, uh, even though he, he left us last uh, year. But, uh, and that put me on a path of trying to understand what goes on in the sky. And, and it, it led me to a career at NASA and after that uh, career on television. And now uh, a different kind of application of weather, which is uh, helping people who really need to know when bad weather's coming. That's just the bottom line. Um, uh, the company I work for, the parent company is Weather Call. And we've been providing instant alerts to people since 2007 when the Weather Service changed the way they put out the warnings, very specific warnings as opposed to telling you something's in the county. But unfortunately, a lot of people still get those county-based warnings, get confused, maybe take the wrong action or don't take any action at all. And we became aware, of course, of the unfortunate stigma in the manufactured housing community. They're not tornado magnets, that's nonsense. You and I know that. Yes. Um, you know, securely anchored homes uh, often survive bad storms. And I have plenty of pictures of a site-built home right next door that's collapsed or damaged and the manufactured home is not. 
Unfortunately, on television, what happens? I've been in a television newsroom. They want the pictures. So you run out to a scene. If there's a mobile home tipped over, you take a picture of that. If right next door there is a site-built home with damage, they don't, they don't put the camera there. You know, It doesn't look as sexy. Um, but we wanted to help the people in these communities uh, get the information that they need. And we introduced a program called Hazard Call, and it's a mobile app that an on-site community manager uses to both message residents about anything, not just weather, but when the water goes out, uh, when they need to wrap their pipes for a cold winter's night, or uh, in the last year, we saw great use of our service as people needed to know about the availability of COVID testing when offices closed and then they, when they reopened and when some of their community services were coming back online. So it's a great way for an on-site manager to, to communicate with a resident along with uh, letting them know about impactful weather. They get a phone call, they get a text, they get an email. So they get lots of uh, ways to get the word about what's happening. And so that's what we had been doing. And in 2018, we began to appear at conferences like SECO and MHI and a couple others, Tunica. We've been to uh, Louisville. We've been a bunch of places. Not like Johnny Cash. We haven't been everywhere, but we've been a lot of places. And uh, we, we really have begun to resonate in this space. Uh, a lot of people appreciate what we do, what we bring. And we bring not only the service, we bring a message of safety preparedness. We help also park owners and uh, those who manage these parks understand what is your safety plan? I mean, forget about if you never used our service. What are you going to do in case of an emergency? What, what are the steps? And at the first SECO, we make a, a, a presentation to help them understand you know, here's how you devise a safety plan. You need to understand all your risks. You need to understand what you're going to do about them. And you need to have an after action plan. So after the threat is over, what are you going to do? How are you going to communicate with people? And how are you going to let them know uh, what the next steps are? And I think that's really important for that, you know, a lot of people just assume or they hope for the best. And that's really important. You know, as a lawyer, that that's not always the best strategy, right? You can't just hope for the best. You have to prepare for it. Right. Plan for plan for the worst and hope for the best both. And that's in there, you know, as, as we've seen more in the last couple of years than ever, I mean, you know, acts of God, acts of, you know, nature. It's like, you can't really, you can only do so much plan, but you want to be ready. Right. So in, in our business with most mobile homes, they don't have basements. Right. So there's, it's important to have a storm shelter. Some, some parks that we own, they don't have storm shelters. So you want to have a communication plan, right? And yeah, tie down. We recently had one home blew away and it wins, but we, there were 50 of them. One didn't. This was a tenant-owned home. Mm. It wasn't tied down properly. Right. The other 49 were still sitting there. So it's like this one was 50 years old and it just rolled away. Luckily, nobody was hurt. But uh, yeah, had we been able to communicate with that person, then maybe it would have been differently. And they weren't in the house. So I guess maybe they already knew the wind was coming, 100 mile an hour plus winds in Western Nebraska. So it was kind of a, kind of a beast for sure. But sure. one thing I, I think you mentioned earlier, is when we, before we started, the, you were telling me before we started this call that you know, the, the, the park owner provides the phone numbers. And what I think might be interesting, it makes, has me intrigued about your, your guys' stuff is, it's hard for us to get tenant tenant phone numbers and their numbers right. change a lot. They don't care. They think we're going to get it only to, you know, harass them for rent or something, but this would be a good way just for basic communication. You know, obviously your focus is on weather, but you, if, if we had to put out a notice that says, 
hey, let your pipe strip or, hey, it's mowing season. Would you guys push that out through your? Well, yeah. Well, actually, the park, the on-site manager sends that message on an app. We give them an app and we train them on how to use it. And uh, they actually get a lot of resident buy-in because what here, here's, here's, here's what happens. We get a lot of FOMO going on out there for if they didn't give the information, let's just say they just said, hey, I'm not going to do this. Well, when the on-site manager pushes that information out and all the people who did give their information get it, the other people go, well, how come, how come, how come I didn't get it? I live here. Why don't you tell me? And then they realize, oh, I didn't, I didn't give my information. And so, you know, yes, it is it's sometimes a challenge to get it. A lot of our communities already have the information. They just need to maybe refresh and update. But that FOMO, I'm telling you, it plays a big role in getting people to get on board because they, they see the value of it. And then we also train the, the on-site manager, you know, to have judicious use of this. Yes. You know, I'll be pinging people every day because then it's <laughs> going to become, it's like they go numb, right? They just, they don't want to hear about it anymore. But yeah. if, if they get, you know, maybe once or twice a month or three times a month or something like that, um, I've seen them use it to talk about uh, one of the funniest ones was uh, please don't feed the bear that keeps coming into the <laughs> into the community. This is in upstate New York. I just got a chuckle out of it. Uh, but you know, they, they, they I, I just saw one today advertising their Labor Day party. You know, I mean, th these are great ways to help increase the communication. We can even show the onsite manager how to attach a longer document. Text messages usually 120 characters, but you can attach a link to a longer document. And we had a lot of our clients do that last year when COVID was going on uh, to let them know, hey, here's some more information we need to let you know about what we're doing, what, what uh, you need to do and what resources are available. So it's an overall communication tool, but you're right. There is a first step. The onsite manager, the owner has to give us that resident list, keep it maintained. But what we're, what we're learning is once we establish the program, the residents, they want to make sure that you've got my new phone number, my new email or whatever, uh, so that they can keep up. Excellent. Well, that's, that's good stuff, Gene. Thanks for sharing that. I, I know that was the, what I want to talk about next is SECO, but that's good information for our, for our audience too, because, you know, lots of our, lots of our listeners do, you know, own mobile home parks and some of them want to want to own mobile home parks in the future. So this would be good information to have, but sure. Other information that's be good for people, whether they're in the space or trying to get in the space, is Seco. Um, my my law firm sponsored it last several years. I spoke at it several times. I know you've been actively involved in it. You're on the committee. Tell us what Seco is, why we should go, what we're going to learn, and you know. And then I know this year I think it's a virtual format again. Right. So tell us how that works, and and we'll go from there. Right. Well, about ten years ago, some uh, owners and managers, mainly in the southeast, got together and they started to network and they said, "Hi." maybe we need to get together on a regular basis. So annually they started meeting to share information. Um, you know, the motto of SECO is a rising tide lifts all boats. And what I've been impressed with is how grassroots this organization is. So they started out their, their logo when, when, when I first got involved in, 20, in 2018 was it showed kind of the Southeast United States, just those, those state outlines. And they would say SECO, which is Southeast, uh, Community Owners Conference. And this year, and actually after last year, um, it shows the whole country because in the virtual world, there is no boundary that right. you're tied to. 
And attendance was through the roof last year because it was a virtual format. It's virtual again this year. And if you said, hey, yeah, I know, I went to that last year, but I had some challenges. A new platform, uh, and we anticipate that it'll be even easier to navigate and get around. But it's a week-long conference that starts September 27th. It goes through that Friday, October the 1st. There's great sessions every day, and it kicks off with something called Manager Monday. So if you manage a park, we're going to hit all the hot button items that, you know, get under your skin. Things like those uh, really, really uh, bad residents, right? How to, how to, how to deal with them. Uh, we're going to be learning about how to use, how to effectively use social media and marketing. Uh, everything A to Z about buying and selling and financing. Uh, we're going to show you how to deal with the ADA issues, service animals, all the things that a real manager and owner needs to know about. And the best thing about it, Ferd, is that it's not theory. It's not, you know, hypothetical up in the air stuff. These are practical solutions, practical resources. And what I love about SECO is you hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? You hear someone's success story. You hear someone's failures. You hear someone's recovery. And in that environment, you know, it's so refreshing that people are transparent, willing to share, willing to help. And that's what I love about SECO. Uh, we began exhibiting in 2018, and we've been doing it every year since then. And this year, I was really, you know, kind of honored and a little bit surprised. I said, hey, would you be interested in being involved on the organizing committee? If you don't know, SECO is a nonprofit. It's run by volunteers. No one pulls a dime out of this. It's everybody putting in their own free time to make this thing work. Right. I look forward to being part of it. And um, I know if I know, I think I've got a code I can give people. I think you've got a code too that give yeah. people a discount. How do, how do they get the discount to uh, sign up? Right. So, so when they go to register, uh, if they put in the uh, uppercase words, hazard call, H-A-Z-A-R-D-C-A-L-L, hazard call, all one word, they'll get $25 off the registration. Um, and that'll be a great savings right, right, right there. And I also want to just circle back on something I kind of skipped over a little bit too fast when I mentioned that it's a nonprofit. Um, one of the things that really impressed me about this group of, of, of owners uh, is that, you know, they understand the need to give back. And they have begun a, um, a veterans fund, okay? Um, and they have been able to raise funds and give them to veterans who are in need in different communities. And I just, I think that is outstanding because it's one thing for an organization to, you know, take the registration money and, and use it to do whatever they need to do to, to build up the conference, um, pay for the platform and all the other things, all the other expenses that they might have. But it's another thing to say, hey, we need to take some of this. We need to build a, um, a fund and we need to help uh, people who are in need, who have served this country. You know, I mean, uh, there's there's probably no uh, higher honor that a citizen has than to, you know, lay down his life in service for strangers, people he will never meet. And uh, the fact that Seiko's willing to, you know, reach out to them, uh, perhaps they've been injured, perhaps they're having some challenges. Uh, I, I just really think that's outstanding that this organization does that. No, agreed. Great stuff. I've got a, a plaque back here. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
Um, and it's, yeah, my, my grandparents are both veterans and both my grandpas and um, some of the guys working here at the shop are and uh, very appreciative and glad to be part of SECO. Appreciate everything you do, Gene. Uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom here on two different topics and look forward to seeing you virtually in a few weeks. Absolutely. And I, I really encourage all of your listeners and all of your viewers of the podcast to uh, attend SECO. And, and, and you might say, well, you know, what am I going to get out of it? There's going to be three things you're going to get out of SECO. Number one, you're going to get education. Okay. Number two, you're going to get information and resources that you probably can't get anywhere else. And three, you're going to make networking connections that are really going to be helpful to you, both personally as well as professionally. And I, I have to say, I don't know a lot of conferences that can promise those three things and deliver. <laughs> um, and, and this is a conference that's put on for owners by owners. It's not some external organization, try, again, trying to tell you some theoretical ideas and, well, you know, this is what the book says or whatever. Uh, this is people who live, breathe, uh, and sleep uh, manufactured housing. Uh, just on another personal note about this, in 2018, when we began to first market uh, the service, I had the opportunity to go to Oklahoma in January for some reason. And I can't remember why I was there, but it was like two degrees. And <laughs> I met with uh, Deanna Fields, who is the head of the uh, Oklahoma uh, uh, state chapter, uh, state manufactured housing chapter. And she took me around to tour some of these homes. Now, I had not been very, very exposed to manufactured housing and frankly didn't know what to expect, but I was blown away when the door opened and I thought I was in an apartment. Um, I, I just, I, or in a, you know, up, uh, upscale house. Oh, yeah. Uh, crown molding, um, chair, chair mold, you know, the chair rail molding in the dining room, uh, floor, flooring that I was not expecting, uh, stainless steel, appliances. Um, you know, this yeah. isn't what you might think manufactured housing is if you don't know. And if you are involved in it, well, you're saying, well, sure, we know that. But think of how many people outside of this environment don't really know that. Um, and this is one of the things that's changed. And SECO is really also at the heart of trying to change the mindset of people and trying to work on um, that stigma that is forcing regulations to come in to kind of keep manufactured housing out and, and just change the image because we know that there is sometimes a negative image, but the people who live there, the people who buy, uh, you know, they know the real deal. And again, these are the owners that you want to be connected with. Good stuff, Gene. Agree, all, agree on all fronts. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, Ferd. Thank you. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.